26. Very, very familiar passage. Uh, but I was talking Wednesday night about uh, the church and, and some of our responsibilities that we have as a church. And I had this message a couple weeks ago when uh, Brother Howie Hunter was here, and I let him preach Sunday morning, Sunday night, so I didn't get to preach this, and I just kind of stuck it back on the back burner. Uh, but then after Wednesday night, I thought I'd bring it out. Acts chapter 26. Acts chapter 26. Let me get there myself. No, no better place to, to, to land is with Paul. Paul's a great guy, man. I tell you what, he's a... I'll get to 26 here in a minute. Y'all stand. You'll probably need to bend your legs, do this stuff. Don't, don't lock your knees. You'll pass out. That's what they did to us. Acts chapter 26, verse 1. It says, Then Agrippa said unto Paul... Thou art permitted to speak for thyself. Then Paul stretched forth his hand and answered uh, for himself. Father, thank you for your blessings. Thank you for just letting us come to church uh, today, Lord. Uh, thank you, Lord, that you've showed, uh, Lord, uh, showed us that you're all we need. Lord, help us to continue to see that. This world is going to try to teach us that we need other things, Lord, but we really don't. Uh, Lord, we got plenty enough uh, if we just stopped and, and thought about you and thanked, uh, like Elizabeth said, Lord, uh, thank for the little things that you've given us, uh, little Riley, Lord, uh, Lord, our kids, our, our friends, uh, Lord, just people in church this morning on Sunday morning that we can uh, meet together and fellowship, and then we can all go our separate ways. Uh, Lord, we still got a, a moment in, in the week, Lord, where we can come together and just uh, fellowship with you, Lord, and then uh, around a book, Lord, uh, the Word of God. And thank you for the men and women down through time, Lord, that's done all their stuff that now we have this book in our hands. It's a precious thing to show us uh, a precious Lord and a precious blood that was given at Calvary. Lord, again, thank you for this morning. Bless the morning service, and we'll praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Paul, Paul is sitting here. Great, great man. Uh, the Lord had to deal with him. I mentioned that Wednesday night. Uh, the Lord had to work with Paul on the outside on a street out there on the road to Damascus. Had to knock him down. Had to straighten him out in his thought process some. Uh, that wasn't the beginning of Paul. That was, uh, that was the end. That was just the beginning uh, he took him back into the backside of the desert and talked to him for three years, brought him back. Paul then could now write the books that we need to, to have in our possession so that the Old Testament starts becoming alive to us. And now it's just not a dead book back there. It's just not. The, he, the Jews had that book for thousands of years. Never did him any good, Harley, because uh, they got harder and harder and he called them stiff-necked and everything else. You never want the Lord to call you stiff-necked. Uh, the title of this message is The Value of Your Testimony. You have something that is probably the most valuable thing that, that you could ever have. And that thing will change over the years as you go down with the Lord down through there. Uh, when you first get started, man, you'll be all bubbly and say, Oh, man, I was on the back porch. I'm looking like a night. I got to say, blah, blah, And it'll change. As time goes on, you'll start adding to it. But you know, really, all you need, I had a brother, he's sitting here today. He called me up the other day and I said, Brother, all you need to do is tell him what happened to you. You ought to rehearse that thing over and over again. It's a privilege. It's a privilege to get the opportunity to tell someone else about your testimony. It's a privilege. That's all Paul's getting ready to do. The greatest Christian that ever lived is Paul. And what he's going to do is he's going to get He's in front of Agrippa and Felix, and he's going to give his testimony. He's going to tell them what happened to him. Now, Paul is, uh, he's out 60 AD now, 62 AD, so he's in this thing for about 30 years. He's 30 years from where he was to where he is now. From that road to Damascus, he's out here quite a ways. Proverbs 22, uh, 29 says, See thou a man diligent in his business. He shall stand before kings. He shall not stand before mean men. You know what Paul's doing right now? 
I mean, everybody in the world wants to kill him. The Jews all want to kill him. Why? Because he's telling them a way that's different than what they have been teaching. They got their old boys, old school stuff, you know, the good old boys club over here. And to be in this good old boys club, you got to do this, 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 and this, and come up our way and through our teaching and all that stuff and follow us and kiss our feet and rings and everything. That's what the Pope does. I like that, man. Somebody was talking about the Pope the other day and uh, talking about Martin Luther uh, and, and preaching about him. And, and Martin Luther was a hard man. Boy, man, he hated the Pope. He hated his guts. Why? Because he, he deceived billions of people. There's, they say there's almost 2 billion Catholics out there today. The Pope has deceived, the Roman Catholic Church has deceived 2 billion people. And if those people, I believe there's some Catholics saved. I'm not going to say they're all lost. But the ones that's lost is the church is deceiving them. There's nothing worse than a church deceiving them. There, it's an opportunity. It's a privilege. It's a privilege just to get the opportunity to stand. Paul gets to stand before Felix, Felix and Agrippa, the king, and talk to them about what's going on and give them his testimony. It was, it was a provided opportunity for them, him. He was granted the permission to do that. You know what your testimony will do sometimes? It'll get you, uh, people will be at peace with you. Because of your testimony, if you have one. Now, if you're going to go out and try to force the issue and get out there and get in people's face and put your finger down there and tell them, all the, hey, you can, I've told people that they're going to hell with the best of them. I've told people they're going to hell and they actually get a smile on their face and say, Mike, thank you for telling me that. Because at least when I did it, there was a tear in my eye or something that was about what I was saying to them that they knew I did not want them to go there. I cared more about them than I did about their friendship. You know what it did? It, it actually strengthened the friendships. I used to go on the ships all the time out at Lexus Nexus out here. I could walk down by rooms, man, and people say, hey, Elliot, come in here and tell us about Jesus, man. Anywhere in Lexus Nexus, there's a, 10 buildings out there. They called me in the office one day, and I, I, I had to do it. I, I left a track over in building eight or nine or something, I don't know, in the bathroom. You know, they always say, leave it on the toilet. Nobody left complain on that. On the th- don't put it in the roll, but put it like on top of the roll thing. And I, I did, and, and uh, Phil Nessel calls me up to his office. I'm in building one now. Elliot! And he takes this chick track, man. And he, I think it was the greatest story ever told. But he took it, and he threw it down, and he says, you need to quit handing those out. I said, how do you know that was me? He goes, you're the only one around here that do that. <laughs> And he smiled. <laughs> I said, okay. <laughs> uh, I didn't listen to him. Uh, and, and then people would just ask. I mean, tell you what, you know what it is? Your testimony matters. It, your testimony just isn't about Jesus Christ. It's about your life. It's you. It's you. Uh, you know, when you're, you enjoy going through life, life gets pretty fun. I enjoy life. life. I've had all kinds of people get mad at me and hate me and say all kinds of bad things. I, that, most of it's right. I mean, I know, I know it is. I'm okay with that. First uh, Corinthians three one says that Second Corinthians three one says this: Do we begin again to commend ourselves, or need we, as this is Paul talking, some other others epistles of commendation to you, or letters of commendations from you? Ye are our epistles written in our hearts, known and read of all men. Do you know your life is read by other people? They look at you. Why would they want what you have if what you have isn't doing anything for you? Now, I'm not saying you have to be rich or poor or anything in between. I'm just saying if, if the joy and peace that this world does not have or possess, 
You don't have either. Why would they want the God you said you have if you're always miserable? Man, I tell you what, I'm going through stuff. I go through stuff all the time, and I'm sitting there going, by myself with the Lord, I'm like, kill me. Get me out of here. Bring me home to this place. When I get around other people, I start smiling. Beth, if I get around Beth, she just tells me I'm stupid and crazy, and, and gee, thanks a lot. Now I know how you feel about me. You just want to get away from me. <laughs> no, I don't want to get away from you. I just want to go see Jesus is what I want to do. He goes, why do you want to go see me? I'm with you all the time. It's a privilege. It's a privilege. Paul is sitting here. And, and, he's, and Agrippa told him, you can answer for yourself. If somebody walked up to you today and said, give me an answer, how would you go about doing it? You know, you can only do with what you know. You can't do with something you don't know. You got you to gotta take what God's done for you right now, and that's all you have to work with. Now, you should be adding to that as years go on and the days go on. But th if this is all you, man, I'll tell you what, I was in church one day and I heard the preacher preaching or whatever. And I was walking down the road and somebody handed me a gospel track and they stopped for a few minutes and started telling me about Jesus Christ. And I read the thing and, and the more I read it and I got to the back back here and it said, oh, if you repent, man, that's got to all be wrong because repent shouldn't. People are stupid, man. They're ignorant. They just, they want to pick out the need. You know what the problem with anybody, if you dissect something, a chick track, these things work better than just about any track on the face of this planet. I've watched thousands of men read these things day and night. I've watched men all over the place read these things. Men. I've seen Christians, right here in the back, man, it says right here, it says this, just a little, it's this phrase right here is just all, they negate the whole thing because of one little phrase in there that I think is right anyways. I don't know how in the world you're going to get to hold of Jesus Christ if you're not willing to repent. I have no idea how you're going to do that. Uh, oh, it's a work. It's a work. Well, you know what that does? That puts a frown on your face and the person that you're talking to, they don't want to hear much you've got to say anyways. You know what you need to do is say, hey, look, man, I want to tell you what Jesus did for me. I used to be a mess, man. I was doing this. And, and he started, and that's what they need to hear. They need to hear from somebody who actually believes it. Do you believe you're saved today? I do. I believe I'm saved. You know, Paul gets an opportunity here. He gets an opportunity. Stand before Felix and stand before Agrippa. And, and, and uh, his wife is sitting there. And uh, I think it's Bernice or whatever it is. And, and he's standing there and he's looking at him. And all these uh, priests are around, the, uh, the, the uh, Hebrew priests and all that stuff. And they said, Paul, the floor is yours. And they sit there and start listening. Number one, I'd like to say, when he sat there and said, ye are our epistles, it's written on prepared material. You're, you have to be a prepared vessel for the Lord to write this stuff on you. It's written in your heart, the table of your heart, right here. Is it in your heart today? Man, it, yeah, I'm like Jeremiah. Have you ever got to the point where you sometimes you just didn't want to say nothing? You just want to shut your mouth and just say, I ain't going to say one more. Every time I do, I get in trouble. Somebody will say something, you go, it's about Jesus, man. <laughs> I mean, I went that day with, uh, with uh, the guy at, at Lexus Nexus when I got down when he's putting the batteries in. Uh, that, was just, that was just a spur of the moment. I did not intend to do that. Uh, but walking by, seeing that, this, this thought goes in my head that, hey, here's this guy putting a battery in this phone down here on his knees, man. He's just like this, and it just looks like he's praying. I mean, that's what it looks like he's putting a battery in. But he's just putting a battery in this phone, and, and, and we're in a room full of people like this, and I'm sitting there going... Lord says, you, you, you go over and get down next to him and pray with him. <laughs> I said, and I do, I go over there, man, and I put my arm around him, and, and I said, praise 
God, hallelujah, man, if everybody would pray when they put batteries in these phones, you'd never have to put batteries in this phone. Lord, bless this phone. The guy looks at me and says, you're out of your mind, Elliot. <laughs> I said, yeah, man, everybody in the room was laughing. Because they called that guy the bear. They said, leave that guy alone, man. All he does is yell and scream like you. I'm like, that's the one I want to talk to, man. Me and that guy got along great. He actually learned to like me. You say, why was it? Because he said, you're out of your mind, man. You really believe. He was sitting there one day and Chrysler was there. And Chrysler come up and, and uh, Chrysler's sitting there and he, I'm sitting over here and he comes up and he's talking to us. He thinks all Christians, the guy's a Methodist and I'm a Baptist. It doesn't matter whether you're Methodist or Baptist or anyone. We're, we're supposed to be saved. And, and he goes, well, you two, th and, and Chrysler goes, no, 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 I'm not like Mike. I'm like, yeah, you're not. You're a, I, I had a couple of words I said. I can't say them uh, because I'm in behind the pulpit. But, but uh, I could say them, but it would not sound really like it should be said here. But, but I said, yeah, you're right. That guy's not like me, man. That guy won't tell you that you're going to go to hell. That guy will keep his mouth shut. I'm in a room full of people like this again. And I'm saying this guy won't do nothing. And he sits there with a smile on his face. The other guy looks at it, both of us and says, I thought all you guys were the same. I said, no, we're not the same, man. Some of us actually will tell you about Jesus. <laughs> Others, all they care about is their own self. The guy was kind of effeminate, man. I never did, not, not the one I saw him with, Steve. But it's a privilege. It's, it's on written material. Acts 9.15 uh, Ananias is sitting there talking to the Lord, and I talked about that Wednesday night. Uh, Acts 9, 15, it says, But the Lord said unto him, Ananias said, Lord, I can't bring this guy into church, man. I can't. Lord, I can't even go out there too. The guy kills people, man. He'll kill me. He'll kill me. We're talking about Paul here. We're talking about Saul. The Lord says, hey, he said this to him. He goes, go that way. He's a chosen vessel unto me to bear my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel. For I will show him how great things he must suffer for my name's sake. You know what's written in Paul's life? What he's going to do and what the Lord's going to do. You know how he gets that written on him? Day by day by day by day. You know when he's standing before Agrippa, he's standing right here. This is Acts chapter, this is 30 years earlier. How could Paul possibly set himself up to be thrown in jail and stand before a king 30 years later? How could he do that? He can't. That's God. You know what God just said is, Paul, you're going to stand me. I'm going to show you. He says, uh, Ananias, Paul don't know this yet. <laughs> if I told him, man, he'd take off running out of Dodge. I, I know right where he's at, so he can't get away. But I, I'd, go, I'd go get him. I'd bring him back and drag him and stuff. But, but, but Ananias, go get him. Because I'm, I'm going to show him how great things he's going to have to suffer. For all the things he did, he's going to have to suffer out here somewhere. But it's not just for what he did. It's for what he's going to say. People just don't want to hear what he has to say. Paul has been afforded the opportunity to tell a story. 33 AD, he sits there and watches Stephen get killed. He's watching all kinds of stuff. And then the road knocks, uh, Acts, uh, chapter 9 knocks him down. And for the rest of the book of Acts, what you're doing is you're getting Paul growing. And he's growing, and he's growing, and he's growing. And when the Lord gets him and the tables are written just right where he could stand before a king, he brings him before Felix, and he does all the stuff he does. The next thing you know, he's standing before Felix. And these are the men right here that's going to get him to Rome, where he's got to go. And, and Paul is going to appeal to them at the end of this thing and say, I appeal to Caesar. So it's nothing wrong to have uh, your, your trust in the, in the law system sometimes. Sometimes it'll help you. It helped Paul. 
The book of Acts covers 33 years from 30 AD to 30, uh, 63 AD when this is written just about. Paul, uh, his Saul, his first name, uh, gets knocked down. He, he's persecuting the Christians. He was there when Stephen was killed. Uh, we take up the story right here. 29 to 30 years later, Paul starts telling his testimony. It's all he's doing is telling his testimony. You know, to win a soul, all you got to do sometimes is tell your testimony. You don't need to sit there and try to convince anybody of anything. That's not your job to convince them anyways. You know, what, you know what your job is? Is to tell them what Jesus did for you. You know what that does? That increases your faith in your, in your Lord and Savior in your life. All of a sudden, they'll put a smile on your face. You know why I like singing these songs? Because every time I sing them, it's a testimony. Those people wrote a song, a testimony about what Jesus did to them. And I pick up that songbook, and I start thinking that thing. And, I, and all of a sudden, like I hear them girls up here singing those songs, I think of what Jesus did for me. All, all I need is him. All I need is Jesus. I really don't need a whole lot of other stuff. I want a lot of other stuff, but I'm telling you what, other stuff just causes nothing but problems. The more stuff you get, the more you think you got to have. I see preachers with diamond rings all over. I got a ring here. This one right here. That's all I got, man. Beth gave me that years and years and years ago. She wants me to go get it cut smaller so it's tightened around there where it can't come off like that. That's what she wants. Uh, and she'll probably get her way eventually. Either that or I'll eat some more pizza and I'll solve the problem. Because <laughs> it used to be that way. And then I lost the weight, now it comes off. But, uh, I mean, there's ways to get that thing back. And she'll figure out a way to make me do that one of these days. Uh, but but he, he could not have created the circumstances that just got him where he's at. That's a life. That's a life. That's a Christian life. What you're looking at is a man walking a life. And when he gets to where he needs to be, he has something to say about his life and about the Lord that got him down to where he's at. Anywhere in this process, he had an opportunity to tell somebody about what went on. You know what he did? All the way down through there, he told people. He goes, man, I got Galatians. I got backside of Arabia, man. Me and the Lord went back here. And he started telling me some stuff. And you know what he told Paul and Peter and James and all them guys? He told every one of them about what the Lord had done for him, what great things the Lord had done for him. You know what the world needs to hear a lot of times is what great things. They may not like hearing what you have to say. But you know what you need to do is just wait for the right opportunity and the Lord open that door and you'll get to say some stuff. His manner of life prepared him for this appointment. He, he, uh, Agrippa knew him. Agrippa says, then Agrippa said unto Paul, thou art permitted. When a man like that gives you the opportunity to cap on our ship, I, I don't know how the Air Force, Army, and Marines are. I never really was too much into that. I was just Navy. And a ship, we, we have Marines on there, but usually uh, you don't see or you don't intermingle with the, the officers in the Marines. I did some of the Marine Marines, but not the officers. But a captain, a full bird 06, you do not walk up and talk to a full bird 06 unless he calls you up there and he wants you to talk to him. You do not talk to him. Uh, you go see him, you're getting called up there, and he is going to take stripes off your arm or he's going to put a stripe on your arm. That's what he's going to do. He's not going to do nothing else. And if he does talk to you, it's because he chose to talk to you. It isn't that you just come up. I kept my mouth well, when Captain come back, he walks in a room. He said, Captain's in the room. You, you, everybody comes at attention. And he walks out the other side, and you go back doing what you're doing. You say, why is that? That's just the way he is. I had a Captain Fulbert 06 who called me up to the state room all the time. Say, hey, Elliot, let's talk. Man to man, let's talk. And I tell him about Jesus. He got saved a couple years after I left the ship. I, that's what I heard. I didn't get to see him. I didn't get to talk to him, but I heard he got kicked out of the Navy. He lost his, uh, his officership because he kept, had a Bible in his arm preaching to everybody. I think that's a great thing. 
You know, this thing was written in Paul's life. The thing was just written. You got to have this thing written in your life. It's not something you can learn. So many people think, oh, I can learn this. I can go to Bible college. No, no, no. Going to Bible college isn't going to do anything for you except put some knowledge in your head. If you don't have something in your heart, the Bible college is not going to do nothing but make you dangerous. Because now all of a sudden you'll think you know something that nobody else knows and you can now make them what that, that become, you become a, a lord. You're lording over people at that point. I don't lord over anybody, man. I tell you what, I tell people all the time. My initial intention of starting this church in my garage was to run everybody off. And if I could have got everybody to go away, then I could have went back and just did what I wanted to do and I'm done. And then when I got to heaven and the Lord said, I told you, to, I said, I did in my garage. Remember back there? We started in the garage. I said, I drywalled it. I put stained glass lamps up. I did everything. <laughs> I said, I did as much Catholic stuff in there as I could. I said, we had pews. We had a piano. We had a piano player. We had all that stuff. And I tried to run them off. And 17 years later, we're getting ready to buy a house in the back back here. <laughs> I'm still trying to figure all this stuff out. But Paul, Paul, it was written on prepared material. Paul had to be pre prepared. His life had to get a preparation done in his life. Don't ever stop God from trying to prepare you. He, everything you go through, guess what? It's going to hurt. And if it don't hurt, it probably won't feel good. And if it does feel good, it's only because you're smiling because you know it hurt and he did it. But when you go through all this stuff, what I do is I start smiling through this stuff sometimes. Because I know one of these days it's going to be over. And, and I know I, a lot of times I'm like, well, Lord, I know there's something else to do. Otherwise, I wouldn't be here. As long as I can breathe and I can walk, there's something else to do. There's something else to do. There's something else to do. And you just wait for that something else. Number two, bearing the expression, the, 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 your life, not only does it have to be written on the material, but the material has to bear the imprint. Uh, a Catholic book, if you get a Catholic book, it has the imprint of the Pope on there that says, or, or, or governing body that says that this is good Catholic material to read. But, but the, your, the writer has to bear his impression on the item that's being written on. And your life has to bear that imprint of Jesus Christ. Let me ask you a question today. Does your life bear the imprint before this world of Jesus Christ? Paul's did. Paul's did. Hebrews 12, 2 says, looking unto Jesus. You know what? Who was the author? Who for the joy. The Lord thought it was joy looking across that cross to go through the cross. Does the world see joy in your life about, well, I'm going to heaven one day. And I got to go through this life too. I got to go through vanity fair to get there, but I got to go. And I'm going to go to heaven one day. When I get there, man, I'm going to see Jesus. And I'm going to see all the angels and all my, everybody else that's there that's going to be there. We get to see them all. But really what I want to do is see Jesus. Does the world see that in you? Do they see it with a smile on your face? I mean, do they really see that? I was told the other day that uh, I was talking to Jake. No, not Jake. Uh, Travis. And he went to jail. And he was talking to one of the guys there at jail. And uh, he said that uh, I had led him to the Lord several years back. And that he still remembered me. I've been in jail where they'll say, hey, where's that crazy guy that jumps around and, and, and is smiling all the time? He's talking about me. That's in jail. You know, on the way to jail, I'm trying to talk myself out of going to jail. Oh, there'll be plenty of people there. Oh, if I'm late, they're already going to be in there. And I always get there just right on time. And you go in there and you're just trying to talk yourself out of it. I don't want to go. I don't want to go. I don't want to go. And then after you get in there, two hours just go, it's gone. They're actually running you out of the place. You say, what is it? Because all of a sudden you get to go in there and talk about somebody other than yourself. You say, oh, well, I was here. no, no, what you hear about me when you hear about me talking about the things that happened in my life, I'm telling you what Jesus did for me. 
I, I try to live my testimony every day of my life. That's all I got. I'm not going to try to be no Dr. Rutman. I couldn't be Dr. Rutman if I tried. I couldn't be, if I, I get a bit off fingernail here, phew, I wouldn't even be the fingernail you just spit out. I'm telling you, man, the guy was, a, he was a brilliant man. He could, he could amass the knowledge. But you know, the Lord don't necessarily need that all the time. Sometimes what he needs is somebody just with a smile on their face. You got to bear the impression of the writer in you. It has to be there. Paul states in, in the second, he says, I think myself happy, King Agrippa. He says, I get the opportunity to tell you about Jesus. Now, do you think you're happy when you get to tell somebody about Jesus? You know, I've heard people, well, you got to think yourself happy. No, what you ought to do then is I think myself happy for the privilege to tell you about Jesus Christ. He's got bonds. That guy's got, got he's in stop bonds, man. I mean, he's, he's handcuffed. Feet probably hung up together. I don't know why. I mean, where's he going to run? You can't get away from him. He's got his feet on chains and bonds in his hands. He probably can't move at all. And he says, I think myself happy. King Agrippa, because I shall answer for myself this day before thee, touching all the things whereof I am accused of the Jews. What are you accused of, Paul? I'm accused of telling that Jesus died on the cross at Calvary, shed his blood, opened the door to heaven, and he can get us all into heaven, and you get saved by believing on the blood of Jesus Christ. What's wrong with that? Some people just don't like that. They like controlling people. I don't know why people want to control people. They just do. He says, uh, he goes, this day before thee is touching all the things wherever I'm accused. He's happy to tell the king his story. Uh, you know what? Uh, I was sitting there and I was looking at this thing and uh, I think myself, I, there was a word here I was looking at. Uh, but, but Paul, joy. There are some things in a person's life that is an indication of their gratitude or their happiness or their joy. Paul had these things. Paul said, I think myself happy. Uh, they said there's eight or nine things. I, I got a couple of them here. Gratitude. You know, uh, Paul was grateful for the opportunity to stand in bonds before the king and tell him about Jesus Christ. He was grateful. You know, a lot of people, well, I got thrown in here because, I, you know, they, they hate me. I was telling them everything about Jesus, and they just hate me. And that's what that's your, ingratitude, your ingratitude shows. Are you grateful today? I'm grateful. I'm grateful I'm alive, man. I'm grateful that I got the opportunity to tell somebody about Jesus. I, I'm grateful I'm saved. Uh, you're focused. You know what? Somebody who's happy and joyful usually are focused on what they believe and, the, and they know. They don't let the things of the world all get them and pull them off to the side and mess everything up. I can't control what everybody else does. It affects me, but I can't control what everybody else does. I can only control what I do between me and the Lord. That's it. That's all I really have control over. Uh, you got to be focused. You got to have some humor. You need to laugh about yourself sometime. You know that uh, somebody who's got joy and happiness will laugh about themselves? And other people can. I walk in up there, uh, uh, they're working on that van, they're telling me they're just going to take me to the bank, man. I just start laughing. I said, just remember what goes around comes around. I said, I'll get you. You know what the guy told me? He said, Mike, he said, if you want to sell that van, I'll sell it for you. He said, I won't make a dime on it. He said, I'll sell it and take care of your problem. He said, if you got any problems with it, I'll, I'll take care of it. He said, I can get you probably this much out of it, and you can break it. And I'm sitting there going, well, you know what that is? They let me come into a garage with a, a couple old men sitting there and let me preach at them. And, and sometimes when I come in there, Tim, my mechanic, y'all ever seen Tim Chalfin? He's like this. He's, he's a motorcycle. He looks like, a, he looks like an old uh, a cowboy man that got thrown off of too many bulls or something. 
Uh, but he's broke all over the place, but he works. He's a, he's a great mechanic. He'll go, Mike, that guy right there, you need to tell him about hell. He's going there. I know he's going. I'm like, Tim, I'm wondering about you, man. I'm like, what about you, man? I, I said, I'll, I'll get to you in a minute. Don't go away. I said, what about you? <laughs> he goes, no, no, just tell him, man. We're, we're, we're all here. The rest of us are here. You just tell him. Tell him. And I'm sitting there telling him, man. The, the opportunity is there. I don't have to go in and barge in. You know, I, I went in there last night. I had to take a part up there. Beth drove me up there. And I, as I was pulling, getting ready to pull away, the owner of the thing came to the door and said, Mike, man, we'll see you later. Thanks for stopping by. I go in there, you have to listen to some stuff. Man, have you ever heard of country rap? <laughs> what is this country going to? I mean, what was that? Hank, no, Hank Williams. Hank Williams. I saw the light. I couldn't, I saw the light. Yeah, man, I, I mean, I can't even imagine that stuff. I don't even know how you would sing it. I mean, I go up there and I'm like, what is that? He goes, that's country rap, man. I'm like, well, I thought it was bad enough that these new guys coming out there, it's all rock and they call it a country. I said, that ain't country. I said, no wonder it's Hank Williams Jr.'s all mad beating everybody up all the time. I just, every time you see the guy, man, he's like, you want to kill somebody. Self-confidence. You know that somebody's got joy and happiness or confident about what they're doing. You can see in your life, you know, you look at Paul here. Paul is confident in bonds and bars and everything else. The guy's got, he's, he's great, grateful. He's focused on exactly what he's saying. He's got humor. He said, I think myself happy, oh, king. I mean, the king's probably looking at it like, you're happy about what? He said, let me hear. Adaptability. Paul adapts himself. Philippians 3.14 says, I press toward a mark. You know what Paul's doing? He's, he's going to it. He knows the high calling is out there somewhere. It's not here. Philippians 4.11 says, Now, not that I speak in respect of one, for I have learned in whatsoever state I am, therewith be content. He's sitting there in bonds, and he's content in the state with the opportunity to tell somebody about him. It's written. It's on him. It's written on him. Brethren, your testimony is you. It is not what you know. It is you. It is what is written in your life. It is what the world sees of us every single... You know what you do? You get sin out of your life. You know why you get sin out of your life? Not to quit sinning. And they, you need to quit sinning. I got that. I do too. But that's not the, you get it out of your life so that you get the imprint of God on your life. That's what you're trying to do. I'm already saved. I'm on my way to heaven. I can't lose it. But the devil can hinder me from being the testimony down here I need to be by letting this filthy world take everything from me that he gave me. Optimism. I'm optimistic. I'm a pessimistic optimist. I think everything stinks, but I'm going to heaven. <laughs> I'm looking up, man. I see heaven's on its way. I mean, how about this one? Intangible values. There's some things that's just intangible. You cannot, a tangible thing is like, this is tangible, this is tangible, this is tangible. Intangible is heaven, man. It's out there. It's out there. Going to heaven, dying one day, getting up out of the grave, just shooting into heaven, absent from the body, present from the Lord. My soul come out of my body and boom, I'm gone, man. I get a new body. I'm in heaven. I don't ever hurt no more. Oh, man, I put a water heater in for somebody the other day, and I was like this. I'm like, what in the world happened? Beth says, that water heater. You wrestled around with the water heater. It was empty. I said, but it hurt. It still hurt. 65 years old, you know, you just start hurting. Philippians 4.13 says, I can do all things through Christ. You know, that, that's the... That's the sign of somebody who's optimistic. I don't care how bad it gets. I can, that's your testimony. It's written in your life. You know when you sit there and complain, 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 people just hate to hear complainers. 
I hate to hear it, man. I just, I'm, it makes me sick. I want to go throw up somewhere. I mean, is that all you can do is complain? This is the Paul right here bearing. He's bearing the expression of the writer in his life. You know who the writer is? Jesus Christ. Paul's learning some things here, man. Number three, bearing the signature of the writer. Is Christ written in your life? Is he written across your forehead? It says you've got a new name written down in heaven. You know, in the, in the, uh, in the tribulation, it says they stamped them in their forehead. Is he, is he stamped on your life? Can they tell who you are? Galatians 6, 7, he said, From henceforth, let no man trouble me. I bear in my body the marks of the Lord Jesus. When somebody looks at you, do they see the marks of Jesus in you? Or do they just see somebody who's after what they can get from whoever they can get it from? I'm telling you what, it's a crazy thing. This book is just a crazy, insane book. I'm getting ready to get through some stuff here now. It should be legible. That marking should be legible. He says, Paul, I'm giving you your testimony. The, the writing of God should be legible in your life. Paul starts to speak. He speaks of his youth. He speaks, he speaks of, of the hope in verse 6 and 7. He speaks of the resurrection of the dead like it's real in verse 8. He speaks of the, of the testimony as a, as a Pharisee, verse 9 through 12. He says, I opposed Jesus Christ. Let's go to 9, nine through 12. He says, I verily thought myself, talking to Agrippa, and, he, and he's very calm at what he's doing, very aggressive in what he's doing, and, and he's not holding. He said, I thought myself that I ought to do many things contrary to the name of Jesus of Nazareth, which things I also did in Jerusalem, and many of the saints did I shut up in prison, having received authority from the chief priest, and, and when they were put to death, I gave my voice against them. I, and I punished them oft in every synagogue and compelled them to blaspheme and, to, and being exceedingly mad against them, I persecuted them even unto strange cities. Whereupon, as I went, he goes, I went after them with everything I had. He said, I didn't play no games, man. He goes, and he's telling his testimony. Sometimes the, the bad parts of your life are good in, in retrospect if you add them in there the right way. Paul's getting an opportunity to tell Agrippa about his life. You know what he knew before he started talking? He knew what Agrippa knew about him. He already knew that Agrippa knew everything about him. He already knew that, hey, I got the opportunity to stand here, and, and King, I'm going to tell you, because you already know. You already know. I already know you know. He's going to tell him that in a few minutes here. He's going to go through. I know. I, he goes, and he starts right down through there telling us, when was the last time you told somebody your testimony like you meant it? Like it's something that actually happened to you. Your salvation. You know, you know why you don't if you haven't used it? Because you don't ever use it. That is the best tool in your tool bag you will ever have. You know what you need to do is, is start rehearsing that thing in your mind. How did you get saved? Do you know how you got saved? Do you remember when it happened? I cannot imagine the Lord of the universe, the Lord outside the universe, the God of all gods, the King of kings and the Lord of lords, comes down onto this little pea-picking pea planet about this big and, and finds you on this planet, comes in your life, and you ask to get saved, and you don't know he arrived. I mean, really, that thing ought to make you just about explode. Your little body shouldn't be able to hold that. I don't see how it could. Saul, if Saul's life ended here if it had ended right there where he got done talking to Agrippa that he goes man I tried I put him I killed him I did everything if it had ended right there uh, it had been, been tragedy for him but it didn't it didn't end there 
He goes on, he speaks of his conversion, verse 15, 13 through 15. He says, and, and a, at midday, O king, this is where it starts getting good. At midday, O king, I saw a way in the way a light from heaven. <laughs> oh, I go, Let me tell you about that light, man. That light started shining. I couldn't see no more, king. I'm telling you, man, it got so bright. There's a lot of things probably Paul didn't add here. It got so bright, man, I, I had to hold my hands, and I could see it through my hands, man. You ever look through your hands? It's like x-ray right through there, man. I could see everything. He goes, king, I can't even tell you how bright that light was. Nobody, I've never seen anything like that. He said, I've seen the sunshine, man. We used to sit there all the time, king. And you know how they tell you, don't look right at the sun. We do it, man. See what kind of men you were, how long you can do it. And you'd look up there, uh, uh. I said, this light right here, you couldn't take your eyes off of it. I said, it got so bad, it burned them out, king. It was bad. He goes, at midday, O king, I saw in a way a light from heaven above the brightness of the sun, shining around about me, and them with, which journeyed with, uh, journeyed with me. And when we were all falling down, it didn't knock one down, it knocked them all down. To the earth, I heard a voice speaking unto me and saying unto me in the Hebrew tongue, Saul, Saul, not in the Greek, in Hebrew. Saul's talking in he Greek right here. Isn't that amazing? He's talking in Greek, uh, speaking about Hebrew, and, and, and we're, we're, and we're reading it in English. Crazy book. He says, uh, and Saul, Saul, why persecuteth that me? It's hard for thee to kick against the pricks. Say, hey, Paul. He says, king, you won't believe me. And his voice just started talking. And then all of a sudden, I'm like, who are that? Who are you, Lord? That voice seems awful familiar. Who, who are you? He says, it's me, Paul. And Paul's sitting there talking to Agrippa, saying, with these eyes. He said, I've seen Jesus. And he's not dead no more. He's alive. And I thought he was dead. I think, I think Paul was there, probably there at the crucifixion. He saw Jesus die on the cross. I think he was there. The way he was talking, he never said anything about it. I don't know whether he, he I can't prove that he was there, but that was probably one of the biggest things that went on in, in the uh, Jewish faith and religion and the Pharisees and everything. They were so glad to get rid of him finally uh, that they probably um, amassed every one of their big guys, and Paul was definitely one of the big ones. Uh, they pulled him. He said, I opposed him. I did this. I persecuted the saints. I did all this stuff. But he goes right here. He goes, man, he starts talking of his conversion, and he gets his eyes knocked out. He says, but... What we saw in the way, he first of all, he says, where he was going. He says, I was heading to Damascus. Your testimony is a simple thing. I was, I was just living my life, trying to get through every day, miserable as I could be. And I just started talking to the Lord. And I said, Lord, is this it? Is this it? Is this it? I didn't have nobody else give me no answers. I, the Catholic Church had none for me. I, I'm 22 years old. I don't have nothing. And I started talking to this guy. That's all I did. I just started going out there in the back, just sitting there talking. I'm like, people, my next door neighbors probably thought I was crazy. You probably think I'm crazy. But I'm sitting there going, Lord, I, I don't know what to do. I, I believe you, but I don't know what to do. I mean, this place is crazy. I thought it was crazy in 1980. That's 43. You know what it is today? If I would have seen the things that are going on today in 1980, first of all, you wouldn't see the things going on today in 1980 because people would have taken them out. It just, they wouldn't have happened. But they have to come up with all this racist garbage and all this other stuff to, to eliminate sexism and all this other stuff to eliminate men out of the picture. That's what they're doing. That's exactly what they're doing. Uh, you, you're in a society now that has done that. And what they've done is they've taken men out of the picture so that it's all feminine. They feminized the, the entire thing. You can't let them do that. He goes, when, I, when he saw, he goes, where he was going. He said, I was on my way to Jerusalem. What he saw, he said, a blinding light. How things progressed, 
And when we were all falling down the earth, and he goes, we all fell down. And he's just going on. Can you imagine just going on and on and on? And Agrippa, he's probably got Agrippa and Felix sitting right on the edge. And he does. You can see in a minute, he got them. He's got them sitting there. They're sitting right on the edge, man. And he goes, who we heard? I heard a voice speaking unto me. He says, I heard him, man. He said, Agrippa, I heard the king. I heard the king of kings, the Lord of lords. I heard him. I heard him. It should be legible. Your, your fellowship with Jesus Christ should be something that really happened to you. But, but you need to constantly update that thing as you walk through life. Every day is a new adventure with him. Every day. And it's a new thing that hap- happens to your And your testimony gets updated. It's like a resume. Every day it gets going. If I started right now and just said, okay, this is what happened yesterday and the day before that and the day before that and the day before that, I could go all the way back to the time I got saved. That's 43 years. I should have 43 years of a testimony to say what happened. And I should have a few years before that of a lost testimony about what happened to me before I got saved. You should be free of blots and smudges. Your testimony ought to be squeaky clean. They can go back and say, but you, you, I've had people come and say, I can't believe you used to be like you say you were. That was me. I've had people come and say, I told them what I've done at jobs, and he said, there ain't no way you could do all those jobs. I said, I did them. I said, I didn't do them very long, but I did them. I said, I, it, I'm not stupid. I learned really quick that I don't like McDonald's. Now, if you, I, I don't mind stopping and getting a burger, but if you want me to work there for any length of time, it ain't going to happen. I know people, if you ever hear me, we got people work at Chick-fil-A, Chick-fil-A. I'm sorry, man. I couldn't do it. I cannot work in a kitchen where people are telling me to flip burgers, in this case, chicken patties. I mean, I can't do it. I won't do it. I just refuse to do it. Now, you say, somebody's got to do it. Yeah, because when I come up to Chick-fil-A, I want a Chick-fil-A sandwich. I want it to be somebody there to give it to me. So somebody's got to like it. It's just not me. Should be free of blots and smudges. You, you sit there over the period of years, you start getting your act together and clean up some stuff here and clean up some stuff here and clean up some stuff here. And pretty soon your life starts looking like the Lord wants it to look. But your testimony is right there. It's in your head. It's in your heart. It's written on the tables of your heart. You know what this world needs to see? They need to see that. It goes on right here. Can be known by the writer's handwriting. Acts 26, 28. Then Agrippa said unto Paul, almost. Has anybody ever told you that? Almost. That persuades me to be a Christian. I've had people say to me, you know, I want to get saved, but not today. I don't, I, I think, i tell you what, the, the, one of the best ones I've ever, ever got to be part of was Mrs. Buffin. Uh, she, she, 82 years old, was dying in a couple weeks, and, and it, was, it was over for her, and she knew it. And she said she was a Jehovah Witness, and she, she let our kids come in there every year singing at Christmas time. Christmas time, a Jehovah Witness. Now, come on, man. But I was gracious, and I, was, I, I didn't slam her or anything. But uh, I went to see her in the hospital, and, and Mrs. Buffin was sitting there, and, and I said, Mrs. Buffin, I said, you know, if you died today, whether you'd go to heaven or hell? And she said, probably go to hell. And I said, well, you don't have to. And we started talking. She said, Mike, you just don't know what I've done. I said, I don't care what you've done. She goes, but Mike, I mean, 80, 82 years, I said, I said, Mrs. Buffin, it don't matter what you've done. It matters what you do. I said, Jesus Christ died on the cross, and he didn't die on the cross for somebody who's 22 or 32 or 42 or 52. He died on the cross for somebody who's 82. I said, and he died for you. She didn't get saved that night. A couple days later, a lady came in, talked to her, came up to me and said, Mike, Mrs. Buffin got saved. I told Mrs. Buffin before I left there, I said, Mrs. Buffin, I said, isn't it amazing the devil's had you his whole life? I said, don't tell me you're a Jehovah stinking witness. 
I said, you let, you're letting me talk to you, number one, right now. You are not a Jehovah Witness. I said, I've had Jehovah Witnesses take, take a gospel track. I said, I was in the parking lot one day, and I walked up to Jehovah. Jehovah Witnesses are, you talking about, do you think they're open-minded? They are worse. I walk into, uh, uh, I forget the name of Cubs, Cubs, when, just before they go close Cubs. Old ladies just aren't as sweet as you think they are. <laughs> I pull up in the parking lot, and I get out of my car, because Beth's going to make me get eight gallons of, of uh, distilled water. And so I go in, and here's this old lady. She's just as sweet as she looks. I mean, just as sweet as she can be. And she hands me this track, and I stick it in my back pocket. Don't think nothing about it. I go inside, get my eight waters in the, in the cart, and I'm pushing them through there, and I pull the track out. and said, watch Tire Society. I said, oh, God. I said, you're going to make me go out there and hurt these two people, aren't you? He goes, yeah. I said, how am I going to do it? How am I going to do it to hurt These are sweet. These are, they're devils, man. Stinking devils. I walk up to him, and, and she's sitting in her little Maserati-looking car. Because they got lots of money, too. And uh, so she's sitting in her little Maserati car, and I said, I said, ma'am, could I give you a gospel track? She goes, no. I, she said, I can't take one from you. I said, yeah, I know you can't. So I took hers and watered it and dropped it right in front of her like that. I said, that's what I think about your gospel track. Well, she opened that door and grabbed that thing, <laughs> unfolded it like it was the gospel or something. And <laughs> she, she left out of there. You know, I didn't try to witness to her and tell her about Jesus Christ. I, I didn't even tell her she's going to hell. I just meh. said, you don't want mine? I don't want yours. Trash. You said, well, that's not very Christian. It was at the moment. <laughs> she drove away. She still has another opportunity for another day to get saved. Can't be known by the, the writing. You know, when Paul was sitting there, he goes, and Paul said, I would to God. Verse 29, I would to God that not only thou, but thou, but, but also all they that hear me this day. Everybody that was listening to his day, he, the, the people that brought him there, the people that beat him, the people that were trying to get him killed, you know what his thought was to them? Is, I pray that they'd get saved too. And all together, such as I accept for these bonds. You know, Paul, Paul in verse 26 says, having therefore obtained help of God. Now this is the key to your testimony. This is it. You should have this from the day you got saved all the way through. Verse 22, having therefore obtained help of God, I continue unto this day witnessing 30 years. This is all I've been doing, 30 years. If you want a testimony in your life, you're going to have to develop it. But the testimony has to be built around a man named Jesus Christ. It has to be built around him. Witnessing both to small and great, saying none other things than these, those which the prophets and Moses did say should come. Verse 23, that Christ should suffer, that he should be the first that should rise from the dead and should show the light unto his people, unto the people and to the Gentiles. That's us. You know what our job is? Is go tell people about Jesus and say, hey, look, you know, if your light so shines out of you like it should, they'll see it. I don't mind telling somebody about hell at all. I don't mind telling them about heaven. It's a real place. Hell is a real place. You don't want to go there. If you know anybody's going, you don't want them to go there. I don't care how bad they mistreat you or how bad you hate them. I don't even care what you think about them. Nobody needs to go to a place called hell. Not one single person. Hell was not made for man. It was made for the devil and his angels. That's what that thing was made for. We're not supposed to be there. But you know what our problem is? Is we're so wrapped up in this world that when it comes to me going out witnessing to people, I should be the first witness that most people ever get. 
Coming into the church would be one thing. That's great. But coming into the church just to get witness at and going back out, that's not the place to do it. They should see me before they come in here. The, the brother that called me the other day and was asking about that said, hey, he's going to bring somebody to church. He goes, uh, what do I do? I said, you tell them about what happened to you, man. That's all you do. You just tell them about Jesus the best you can. And guess what? Tomorrow you'll learn something else. I've learned this. The more you talk about him, the more solidified it gets in your mind and the more space now you got to add to it. And if you do that for a number of years, pretty soon you'll have so much to say you won't know how to say it. The best thing to do is shut your mouth and just listen to the other person. Let them talk. And they'll say something, and the Lord will say, right there's where I want you to go. And you take it right down that line with them. And you know what it's all going to be about? Your testimony. I've had people call me up and say, Mike, is this Mike? Is this the guy who got saved on the back porch of Louisville, Kentucky, 1980? I said, yep, that's me, man. That's people all over the country call me up. And that's how they, that's most people, that's how they answer the phone when it's asking me. I'm like, you know what, it's a blessing. I know how Dr. Roman got saved. I know how Brother Eastep got saved. I know how Brother Jerry Siler got saved. I know how my wife got saved. I know how a lot of people got saved. But you know, there's some people I've never figured out how they got saved. You know, the other people around you, they probably haven't figured out how you got saved either. And they need to hear it. A pilgrim was I. That song, it says, surely goodness and mercy. Psalm 23. I, I read that Sunday, uh, uh, Thursday, Wednesday night, I believe. Psalm 23, 6 says, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. There's a song called A Pilgrim. A Pilgrim was I in a wandering. I'm going to sing it here in just a second, so I won't go through the whole thing. It said, in the cold night of sin I did roam when Jesus, the kind shepherd, found me, and now I'm on my way home. You know what I'm doing? I'm a sinner telling sinners about the Savior. That's all I am, and that's all you are. That's all we are. We're sinners on our way home telling other sinners about the Savior and how they can get there. And some won't get there. But boy, you know what they need to do? They need to see a, a glow in your life. They need to see a shine. They need to see a smile on your face. It needs to be written. You know what, they, what gets them? It isn't you and your knowledge. It's the handwriting on. You know, the, the, uh, Daniel walked in there. And that king was drinking out of the Lord's cups. And he shouldn't have been drinking out of it. But he didn't know. He's stupid. Uh, he goes, gets them. He thinks it's just funny. Oh, it's just, it's just a book. Man, it's just a piece of paper. It's just the cups. Who cares? Let's go drink out of them. The gods of wood, the gods of stone, the gods of gold, the gods of silver. And this hand comes out of the wall. Just hand up out in the sky. That'd be freaky enough. And it says, many, many, tickle, you farson. <laughs> and here comes Daniel and goes, oh, man. You done blew it now, buddy. He goes, king, oh, king. He goes, man, and the king goes, whoever does, whoever tells me what that, I got all kinds of people. Nobody can tell me what that says. Nobody knows even. I mean, a hand comes out of the wall, you would think that would be enough to where people say, I could tell you what it says, but nobody could tell. That means they're not anywhere close to who owns that hand. Because uh, if they knew who owned that hand, they'd be able to tell his writing. Why can't nobody tell? He goes, I will make the, I'll put necklaces all over the guy, I'll make him third in the kingdom if he can tell me what that thing says. All Daniel had to do is tell him what the Lord said. Many, many tickles. He said, you're done. You're toast. You're out of here. See you later. Bye. The king made him third in the kingdom. That night he died. You say, why? You know, the king was told the truth. A man of God told him the truth. A man of God told him with compassion when he told him the truth. But he told him the truth. You know, Daniel's probably about 80-something years old at that point, 70, 80 years old. He's done lived a whole life, man. He was a young boy when he came into the kingdom 70 years earlier. He's just a little bitty lad and back there, he goes, man, I, don't, I just don't want to eat 
the king's food, man. I just don't want to eat that stuff. And he goes, Lord, if I eat that stuff, it's just going to mess me up. My mind won't think right, and I just don't want to eat that stuff. And let me go talk to the guy. And Daniel had such a testimony at that young age between the keeper that he said, look, just can we eat pulse for like 10 days in water? And you look at us at the end of 10 days, and if we don't look any better than everybody else, then we'll go and drink the wine and do all that other stuff. It's a compromise. The guy said, sure, man. I just don't want to get the king mad at me if you guys come in all puny and stuff. And after 10 days, he looks at him and says, man, you do look better. And when he eventually got him before the king, the king said, these kids right here are sweeter and better than everybody else. They got more wisdom than everybody else. You know what it was? It was written on them who they were following. You know what's supposed to be on us? It's supposed to be written on us. Right there, man. 7,000 of them are going to be stamped in the, in the tribulation. You know what the 7,000 are going to do? They're going to go out and get multitudes. You know what, what it takes to get, get somebody? You've got to be stamped. Let me ask you a question. Is your heart stamped today? Father, thank you for your blessings today. Lord, we got a book that is, is unbelievable, and we have men and women that went down through here, that, especially Paul, Lord. He's standing before Agrippa. And he's witnessing to him, Lord, and telling him just what happened to him in his life. That's all he did, Lord. 30 years of his walk, he's just telling Agrippa. And he said, Agrippa, you know, King, nothing was done in, 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 in the shadows. Nothing was hid. You've seen it all. He goes, I know. he says, I know you know. I know you know, King. And he asked the King if he would trust you. And, and Lord, he said, he almost. Sad statement. I pray that somewhere down the road that uh, King Agrippa will see him again in heaven. Father, I do pray now that uh, if there's anybody in the room this morning that is lost and doesn't know you as their personal Savior, Lord, that the number one thing they would do is, is get saved today. For the rest of us, Lord, uh, our testimony, is, it needs to be written in our hearts. It needs to be on our foreheads. It needs to be in our face. The, the world needs to see the imprint of you in our lives. Lord, help us to get that. This world is constantly dragging us down, pulling us down, trying to get us to do everything but that, Lord, and trying, trying to steal the joy that's out in our lives and the happiness. Lord, uh, I pray that that not happen. Lord, thank you for a church to come to. Thank you for uh, just everything that you've given us, the piano players, the organ players, Lord, but, and an altar, Lord, no time altar, Lord, that we can come and deal with sin that's in our lives and get rid of it. And Lord, put it under the blood, Lord, and, and let it go and just uh, build a testimony. Lord, if we don't, if there's somebody in here today that has a testimony that's kind of weak, and Lord, they know it is, Lord, I just pray today that they would start uh, changing that, Lord, and, build, and, that, and working on that testimony, Lord, that... And days come down the road, Lord, they'd have uh, the joy and happiness to tell somebody about you. Lord, it is all about you, and I just want to thank you for today. Lord, bless now, and we'll praise you on you in Jesus' name. Amen.